0: during constant change, your leadership has never been more important to create a better and more inclusive world. You're listening to The Leadership Enigma, a podcast for the insatiably curious to explore the power of human-centered leadership to create real momentum for positive and sustainable change. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or corporate executive, each week we speak to global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts, and disruptors as we discover that success leaves clues. Now, here's your host, Adam Pacifico.
1: Ah, thanks for that cue, James. So welcome back to the anniversary special Leadership Enigma. And I'm here with my friend and colleague, Joe Fredericks from PCA. How are you, Joe?
2: Yeah, I'm good. I'm unusually warm. It's summer has arrived here in London, uh, so I'm not going to complain. Right. I'm good. How are you? Adam?
1: Yeah, we're all good. And I'm here in the studio with people that you know as well. So I've got Dr. Katie Best and Keith Douglas with me as well. And we've just been speaking to some uh, great guests about human centred leadership. And so, Joe, I know that that you, uh, Charlie uh, and PCA are doing and continue to do a lot of work in relation to human centred leadership. So tell us a little bit about that because uh, I know you and I—we've done we've done an article. You were featured on one of the podcast episodes as well, um, but you've been doing a lot of work and thinking about the leadership equation. So give us a little bit of context, and then we'll context, and then we'll put that up on the screen, and you can talk us through it. So Joe, over to yeah, you. Yeah,
2: sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's good to be back talking about it, and, and it's interesting actually. I was reflecting just before we came on how much further along that conversation we found ourselves going. Um, and, and I'm not going to say that we, we predicted this a few years ago and we had loads of wisdom and foresight. I don't, I don't think we did. What happened was something that obviously we've been talking about for, for a while and it had come from a series of conversations with clients as well as colleagues, actually. So it was client-driven yep. as well as colleagues who have been collaborating with this idea of human-centered leadership and what does it mean. Suddenly, actually, in the context of, of COVID, in the context of everything that's been happening out in the world around us, the spotlight the lens has really magnified the need to really understand and get to grips with human center leadership and what it means and its context and its impacts and how it can be used to help navigate us um at a very very challenging moment so it has been strange a strange 12 months i can't remember when you and i adam spoke on your show previously uh, a few months ago for sure even since then things have really ramped up in terms of the speed of those conversations and the depth of thought going into this now
1: yeah no i agree with you and and keith i'm going to bring you in right now because i know that you you know working with mastercard you know decency uh, inclusivity is really at the core of the entire organization isn't it that human-centered
3: piece absolutely it's um a big focus of of how we think how we behave and, and how we encourage others to do the same and um it's uh it's hugely important because I think that the kind of the DQ or the decency quotient, as we tend to refer to it, um, that part of, 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 of the equation um, is, uh, is, is critical. Because I think that amongst the other components, actually, I think that's where your multiplier effect is. If, if as a leader, you can, you can encourage and d- demonstrate uh, DQ and how you operate and encourage that within your team, then uh, that's going to be a huge force multiplier in, in your organization or in your team and in terms of what they can achieve and, and how they go about achieving it. Um, so, yeah, no, hugely important. But the other thing I'd just say is some people, um, or at least in my experience, you know, tend to see DQ um, in the context of being nice. It's 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 not about being nice. It's about being fair. It's about being reasonable. It's about being... Um, it's about being considered, it's about yeah. showing empathy. It's about those things that we've, we've talked about a little bit uh, uh, in the uh, in the anniversary uh, episode today. So, yeah. Okay.
1: Well, Joe, I'm going to come back to you and let's pull the leadership equation up on the screen and uh, you talk us through those component parts. And then I'm going to come up to you, Katie, as well, in relation to some of the work that you're doing right now. So, Joe, over to you. So we can see PCA's leadership equation on the screen. Chat us through that for us, will you?
2: Yeah, I I think what this was was in a response, really, to a need that we we were really hearing from clients, we were hearing from individual leaders as well as organizations, whereby there is this new conundrum, there is this new massive question being asked of leaders all around the world. How, How do they balance a couple of competing pressures now? Because quite rightly, out of the context of the Davos Manifesto, uh the business round table uh, back in 2019 yep. when there was a really a redefinition of what it is to be a corporation out of that then going into covid and obviously having the massive 12 months 15 months now that everyone has had coupled with still the environmental pressures that were going on all around the world uh, obviously black lives matter really focusing all of our minds in terms of that inclusivity piece so many things still happening there was this new pressure for leaders how do they balance all of the values based demands being made of them now in terms of needing to be true to their organization's mission statement being true to their organization's values and purpose and at the same time corporations big organizations saying wow we we also do need to make some money again we've got 12 15 months for a lot of businesses have lost revenues we're gonna have to refine some revenues And probably we're gonna ask our leaders to do all of that with less resource than they've ever had, cutting some costs. There's a huge pressure. And we wanted to try and help define for leaders and organizations, a really simple framework of thinking to themselves, okay, what are the capabilities I am going to need to have as a leader in 2021, 22, 23 and beyond, if I'm gonna navigate through these very, very difficult, challenging waters I find myself. Okay. And that's what it is, it's a framework. Um, It's it's very simple at its core. The, The concept is that there are four key quotients that you need a set of capabilities within. Right. Your technical quotient, which is a leader's contextual expertise. So it's all of their own contextual knowledge, their contextual skills, their experience. Nothing to do with IQ, by the way. IQ might sit in there as a subset. But we were very clear we wanted to have a much more inclusive term for defining what those contextual expertise might be for a leader. Uh, And whilst IQ could be relevant for a particular role or a particular sector or a particular organization, we felt that actually technical quotient was a much broader set of contextual skills that a a leader would have to have. So you have your TQ, you then move across the equation and alongside your TQ, which are your what skills, you need to add some some how skills, some EQ your ability, your capability to relate to yourself and to other people. Because without the how, the what can go for nothing, as we know. And historically, I think we've all been really aware of that importance of the EQ quotient. But then as Keith was saying, let's add in the DQ. Yeah. And this very much was introduced to us, by the way, back in 2018 when we were creating a, a leadership program with MasterCard. This is when DQ got put firmly on the table by MasterCard to us. And we were like, wow, yeah, this is a great concept, this idea of purpose. For us i think it's evolved even further now that we would see the dq as a leader's north star if human-centered leadership is your compass to navigate your way around the north star has to be your own dq your purpose your values your morality That's let's it not being nice but being true to that purpose that value being fair there would be fairness in there therefore consistency so that dq becomes important but then for us again as keith alluded to all of those things we can add those three quotients together the tq the eq dq the so what is actually your mq your multiplier quotient your x factor as a leader your capability to empower the humanity around you so that when you walk out of a room actually better stuff happens than when you were in the room that is your so what as a leader and organizations are now claiming to want to do that in terms of the globe as well, the world around them, right? Organizations are saying we want to be them, MQ, we want to be a multiplier of the good around us in humanity. So you need your leaders to do the same. So that is in its essence, Adam, how the how the um the equation works. And it's a framework. And we're saying to different leaders, different organizations, look, you tell us therefore, if that is the framework. You tell us what are the relevant capabilities that sit within those quotients in terms of you today? Because, of course, there's not one size fits all here.
1: Great. So we've got TQ plus EQ plus DQ multiplied by MQ. And again, there's that word, Katie, capabilities. Mm. So, any reflections?
4: I mean, I just love the MQ. <laughs> I think the idea of being able to influence when you're not there is just so remarkably powerful. And what so many leaders are striving for and don't always succeed in doing so I I just find that fantastic that that's in the equation recognizing that you're not just the sum of your leadership parts but actually it's the influence that you're having to affect what you want to happen more widely.
1: Keith it's a great question I sometimes pose leaders is if you weren't in the business for the next three to four months would the business the
3: department continue to thrive? Question mark. (laughs) What are your (laughs) thoughts on that? No, no, that that is a superb question because I think that in itself should help you think about how how you lead. Um you know it goes back to um uh you know a quote that you've heard me say before Adam about leadership is about not being in charge it's about taking care of those in your charge and and, and frankly um if you can if you can whatever it is about as a leader, you know, demonstrating the tq the, the the eq and the dq encouraging others to bring that to the table. That uh, that, as we've said, is your multiplier effect, and um, that uh, that's a powerful thing when it happens.
2: So,
1: Joe, let me come back to you because you and I have been friends for many years. But there's something also driving you because it's quite a personal journey as well, isn't it? That uh, this is important to you, human-centred leadership. You know, you you have a young family as well. Uh, you're you're the founder and owner of your own business. You're working with an, an array of clients, whether it's you know law firms or its corporates, where's this coming from for you? Why is this so important? Because we agree it is, but where's this come from?
2: Yeah, it was interesting. When we were first talking about this, I I found myself getting very emotionally connected, uh, sometimes too much, maybe some would say around me, to the subject. And when I was trying to get under the skin of that, why was this pulling at some strings that hadn't maybe been pulled out for a while? I I realised that, when I, when, I, when I started doing the reading into the, the Davos Manifesto, right. into the Business Roundtable, into these massive paradigm shifts, that essentially—and let, let's get political for a second—not with a big P, with a small P—you know, capitalism was essentially saying, "How do we find a better version of capitalism?" They, they literally asked that question, uh, and it's a big question, right? That's, that's not a small question. But when that question was asked by essentially the, the, the Business Roundtable, uh, the World Economic Forum, business leaders around the world. They, they were doing so because they realized that time time was up on the current way of doing stuff. People had run out of patience because whether they were employees who felt disgruntled that they were either being asked to work uh, for a productivity levels through the roof, not maybe getting rewarded in the way they want, but also not getting the life, work-life balance, that we knew there were lots of people like that, right, in every organization around the world, going, hang on, this, this isn't a nice way of living whether it was consumers or clients saying, well, hang on, no, I I don't like the way you operate. Um, I like your products, but I don't like the fact that there are factories on the other side of the world that are treating their people very badly or that the environmental impact of your work means that actually we've got a serious environmental situation now. Governments, regulators were becoming frustrated. There was this huge frustration. And and so I think for me, when I look back on why have I become such a passionate advocate of this, it's because I want to try and answer that question. I don't like capitalism the way it has worked for the last 40 or 50 years. I don't think it is fair. I'll come off the fence. I'll be completely transparent about that. And I think liberal democracy is having this massive debate with itself about how do we do both? How do we do the capitalism thing where we make money and we grow and everyone has the standards of living that we've become accustomed to, but also do it in a sustainable way, not just environmentally sustainable, by the way, but from a social sustenance point of view. We know there's been rising inequality between rich and poor for decades, and it's not getting any better, by the way. We know that there's massive inequality when it comes to inclusivity and the way different people are treated in different countries because of a ludicrous number of reasons that none of us agree with. But what does that actually mean, therefore, if you're a big corporate? What does it mean about your responsibilities as a corporate? And what does it mean about the leaders within your corporates? Because we know they can have massive impact and massive influence. So it has really, I guess, reignited quite a, a political blame And i think it's important that often in learning and development we try and stay away from politics because we say no we're not supposed to go there this should be neutral i don't agree at all i think politics with a small p again not political parties not going out there browbeating for one party or another or one leader or another i agree we shouldn't be involved in that because quite frankly that's not the heart of the matter but with a small p the idea of how do we behave with each other how do we organize ourselves as a society how do we treat each other as leaders we use words like fair well, if we're going to do that, learning development's got a massive role to play in that. And we can work in combination with other key stakeholders to try and develop that conversation. So I'm passionate about it because of that. And it's a good question. OK. And I think that's where it's coming from. So this is the great challenge, isn't it, for organisations? You know,
1: many people are part of an organisation. Therefore, an organisation can drive sustainable change. But one of the questions now is how can organisations support the communities within which they operate and beyond? And I'm hearing that more and more. Are you also hearing that as well?
4: Yes. I I say that in a hesitating kind of way because I think people are still aware of it on the higher kind of level. I'm not sure it's actually dripping down into the types of interactions that I'm having with organisations unless they're organisations that were really decent to start with. Okay. So if they were, they're paying even more attention to it. I think if they aren't necessarily they know that they're heading towards a point where they will have to have those conversations, but they're maybe not quite there yet,
1: right, okay, and Keith, you work for an organization i'm I'm biased because it is a force for good, decency yeah. is part and parcel of the organization's dna
3: yeah and 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 that kind of term being a force for good certainly pervades the organization that I work for, in part because of the values and the principles of 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 the leadership of the organization, but actually. You know, to a little bit what Joe was saying earlier on. You know, being a force for good uh, can be challenging, but can it be can be relatively straightforward. And I don't mean to oversimplify, it, but mm. just thinking about technology, thinking about product, thinking about you know who who consumes it, um, and 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 that has been you know a relatively it hasn't been a straightforward transition for Mastercard, but it's been a relatively easy one because you know we've been able to think and rethink what we do, um, what we have in the context of of um you know helping um you know helping the communities in which you know we we operate uh, you know people yeah. people have to pay for things people want to be engaged in the financial system because they want that right they want that ability and um and using technology and and using you know creativity and critical thinking that you were talking about before, Katie is is is, is certainly a way to uh, to harness and do that. And-
1: no, I agree, I agree. So, Joe, thanks very much for outlining uh, the leadership equation. Um, really appreciate that. I have a question for you, which I think you know about. I know you've just come back off holiday, so this will this will test you now. Uh, and that was really. What was, and I know you very well, so I'm trying to second guess, will I know the answer to this question? What was the most powerful piece of leadership advice that you've given or that you've received? What is front of mind for you, Joe?
2: Yeah, it, I, I did think back. I, I did get your, your email as I came back from holiday and had a good think about it. <laughs> that was your homework. I, realized there'd been a, I did my homework. There'd been like an amalgamation over the years of, of very wise leaders constantly with, with a, a recurring theme to me which had always been around this idea, and it wasn't one person, but just a series, even from, from my very early career in the law, through theatre, um, where, where I was working with some really experienced people, then through learning and development, all the wonderful client organisations we yep. work with. There was this kind of recurring theme this the idea that leadership is not a destination. It doesn't just happen to you. You don't get there. And it's, it's actually it's a journey, and we've got to all be on it the whole time. And, and for me, when I was thinking about your question, I think that's the thing that keeps coming back into my head. Because when we've been thinking about what leadership means to us at the moment, PCA, we've come to this idea that it's, uh, it's a moment of personal ownership that we can all choose to make when we're making any decision in our life. Any decision. Just, you know, a very small piece of behavior to a big life decision. Yeah. There is this moment, and, it's, and, it's, and you know when you're at that moment, and you can choose to take some ownership for that decision. And by thinking of it that way, this idea that it's just a constant journey means all of us can be leaders from the second we choose to be. And don't expect to just get somewhere and go, oh, you know what, I'm a leader now. I know everything. Great. Uh, Thanks very much. Give me the badge. It's not that. So I think for me that that's the one that keeps sticking with me. It's not it's not a destination. It's, It's a journey. And it's a courageous journey, by the way, because it's not easy.
1: It certainly isn't. And we're all work in progress. I've turned it into a therapy session again. I apologize for that. (laughs) Listen, Joe, thanks so much for taking the time out. I know you've just come back from holiday. Uh, I will catch up with you later in the week. Take great care.
0: Join us again next week for more tips and strategies on the leadership enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with your host on LinkedIn or our YouTube channel. And remember to get your daily learning to build success at www.insights.emeritus.org download the insights app and start learning for free please don't forget to rate review and subscribe on all your major podcast platforms thanks for listening